And welcome back to another episode of Per My Last Email. You've got Iron Mike and Papa Ganoush on the horn taking you through the next 30 minutes. we got a great show lined up for you today. Lots to talk about sports. Got some good segments. Got a wonderful interview coming up uh, in the middle of the program, so you're not going to want to miss that. Ganoush, it's been a couple weeks, but it's good to, good to be back in the game. What do you say? Iron Mike. Great to hear your voice again, my friend. How was your flight back to the Big Apple? Flight back was great. Uh, things are being very well up here. Weather's awesome. Uh, getting a little bit more fall up here, which which I really like. Back home in uh, in GA, it's a little uh, it's a little steamy down there this time of year. So it's it's nice to get that that true fall kind of feel. I love it, man. Love to hear that. Also, uh, a little foreshadowing to one of our segments about the fall. Coming and up. it is. It's going to be fun, so so you're going to want to stay and listen until then. But I want to dive right in uh, to a couple of topics that have been on my mind. Kind of first and foremost, I'm sure everybody here has been keeping up with the NBA playoffs and just the uh, egregious choke job that the Los Angeles Clippers pulled the other day. I mean, they were up 3-1 to one on the Denver Nuggets looked like a lock that they were going to face the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And then Playoff P just kind of turned it into a Playoff L and and really just kind of shot the bed. So, Ganoush, I'm, I'm looking for your analysis here. I mean, what do we think about this? How do you think that they can justify spending all this money on Kawhi and Paul George and they just they, – they really don't show up? Yeah, Mike, to all our listeners – Man, I was so wrong. I picked the Clippers to win it all. Like you said, they just choked, straight up choked. Paul George, more like George Paul, you know what I mean? He was on a milk carton all game, game seven. Two percent, I mean, baby. Four from 16, four for 17. I mean, you just can't, you can't put up those numbers and, and expect to win. And credit where credit is due. Jamal Murray and, and Jochich and that whole Nuggets team played their heart out and got a well-deserved win. Right. He's making 33 mil a year, had 10 points in game seven, less field goals in game seven than actually draft picks, what they gave up for him. That's a fact. They gave up five first round draft picks for Paul George uh, to OKC. And he only yeah, had four, and, and four field goals. And I think we've goals. seen this with, with time and time again with these big kind of win now trades. Now, granted, this was probably the biggest one you've seen in a while, but you know, mortgaging your future for one year and this being the year, I mean, maybe they can come back next year, but you've got a large part of your salary cap taken up like that. I mean, this is kind of a demoralizing loss. You know, we've seen three to one, 28 to three. I mean, I can name constant other ones, but just how do you come back from this mentally? Right. So I've already been looking at off season moves they're looking to make, and they're already trying to find out about Derek uh, trading for Derek Rose, which, you know, he's got two bad knees. I don't think that's going to be your solution either. They were talking about getting rid of Doc Rivers. Uh, See, I don't like that. I, I think that as far as coaches go, Rivers is a top-tier coach. I agree. Doc Rivers, however, is the only NBA coach to lose multiple series after being up 3-1, and he's done it three times in 2003, Ooh. 2015, and in 2020. So that's yeah, a lot. No, that's not good. And then really just, I mean, the, the overhang, you thought you were getting the team, you thought they were going to be VLA team, obviously, you know, with uh, with Kawhi coming there and, uh, you know, they were going to be able to compete against LeBron and, and AD. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess going forward, how do you preview? Give me your preview for this Western Conference Finals. So that is – I'm glad you asked. The Lakers are a seven-point favorite tomorrow night. I would say take the Nuggets and the points. I think they're hot. I think the Lakers might even – they might still win the game tomorrow night, and they're definitely going to win the series. 
But I, I think the Nuggets are going to keep it close. You're coming off an emotional win. The Lakers have had like probably over a week off now, it seems like. Um, Lakers heats my prediction. I do think the NBA, NBA definitely wants uh, Lakers-Celtics, though, so look for bad calls against the Heat and the Nuggets all series. However, gosh, Jamal Murray is playing you know, 40 points in Game 7. Uh, he hit that huge three when they were up 15 to like put him up 18. It was basically the dagger because you know, L.A. still had a little time left to come back. But the old nickname, the L.A. Slippers, is definitely sticking in this one. <laughs> that, is a, that is a pretty accurate nickname. You know, my, just... fa- my favorite uh, stat line of game five, or, well, game five of this series when the uh, Clippers were playing the Nuggets was Marcus Morris actually went up to Paul Millsap, and I think they were mic'd. And he, when they were up uh, 14 points in the third quarter and, and 3-1 in the series at the time, I said, get your ass ready to go home. You know, he was definitely well. That couldn't have been that couldn't have been more wrong. And <laughs> I love you know, it. just how how foolish the hubris is. But I want to switch gears here, uh, Ganoush. I want to talk a little football. Obviously, we heard the news earlier this week. The Big Ten is back. We got an eight game season starting October the twenty third, culminating in a championship game, conveniently the day before the college football playoff selection. You know, you got to think that Ohio State, obviously, if the season had started on time for the Big Ten, would have been a contender, probably still is a contender for the playoff spot. But how can you justify this league playing eight games, you know, one additional crossover game between the two sub-conferences versus the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 that have played, you know, two, three more games than they have? I mean, obviously, Ohio State's probably your best bet as the team that's going to be in the playoff from that conference. But, like, are you going to take an 8-0 and Ohio State team over a – nine and one Auburn or a nine and one Georgia. How do you, how do you figure that? I do think you would. So there were again, yeah, they're playing eight games, but that's not set in stone yet. That's eight conference games. They still might add uh, another t- a few teams in there just to, you know, give themselves more of a uplift in terms of the playoff committee. Cause they're talking about, you know, delaying the playoff and all that. Again, I'd love to see the Oregon Ducks sneak back in here. I know the Pac-12 is still canceled, but I would love to see Oregon Ducks flip the Pac-12 the bird, pun intended. Well, how do you see that happening? Man, you know, Nebraska, squeaky wheel gets to Greece. Nebraska, who was like, what, 4-9 last year, they made, they raised, you know, hell about uh, the Big Ten canceling and they were one of the reasons that they're having a season now, obviously. Ohio but State. it seems to be more a function of the states and the university presidents kind of kowtowing right. to the political pressures of the area. You see these states where the Pac-12 are, they tend to be more, have had more of these COVID restrictions, you know, tend to be viewing the virus a little differently. So that's why if I'm a betting man, I, I just don't see any Pac-12 football this fall. Yeah, I, I saw like a hit piece from USA Today, and I'm not even going to give this gal credit because uh, I totally disagree with it. She called it the darkest day in Big Ten sports history with them deciding to play. It's like, give me a oh, break. Oh, yeah, I couldn't. I agree with you on but, that one. I mean, you know, give me boys, a break. There have, been, there have been worse days for the Big right. Ten. The, boy, uh, the darkest day in Big Ten history. How about Jerry Sandusky? I mean, yeah, you know, you, you exactly. <laughs> right. The boys want to play. Let them play. I mean, don't make this political. It's sports. You know, no one cares who you voted for. We all want to see some college football. No, no not all of us want to curl up in a ball and live in fear with a bunch of these Nancys here. You know give the I mean? give the give the people what they want. I right. say, let them play college football. I'm ready to pound ice cold beer, get a farmer's tan, and lose my voice cheering on my alma mater. I mean, there there we go. And actually, I got a little bit of an announcement about our alma mater, the University of Georgia, later in the program. So make sure to stick around for that. 
Um, next up, we got NFL. We got a big slate of games coming up this Sunday. I want your initial take. How, week one, how you thought it worked out? What are you looking for most in week two? Week two, I mean, week one was – uh, pretty crazy. You know, you had a lot of stuff going on. The, the NFC East has only one undefeated football team. It's little, and it's the Washington football team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one of my favorite stat lines over the weekend for the NFL was for the first time ever, the Jacksonville Jaguars had the most fans in attendance on NFL Sunday. That is a fun one. That is I did like that, I that one. Too. But I would say the biggest story from the NFL was Goskowski missing those three field goals and an extra point, although they, the Titans did still win. So what about the Bengals kicker? Did you see that? He kicked that field goal, shanked a 25-yarder, then grabbed his right calf, and then after the game tweeted about how his left calf was the one. That <laughs> so mean, clearly clearly that guy's going to lose his job. Got, it's definitely a uh, – he, he, he definitely gifted up there. That's uh, – I, I don't know what to – I don't even know how to – Describe that one. That's uh, it's pretty interesting. I did see pictures showing like totally exposing the guy. So, uh, you know, it's, we were all kind of. Uh, I want to read for you a take, and I, and I want to get your analysis on it. Russell, it said I saw it on Fox Sports earlier today. Russell Wilson is the most underrated player in the NFL. True or false? Oh man, that's actually under most underrated player in the NFL. Is- you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree to that, and then I'm gonna think of something. Oh, it's Julio. I mean, he had four touchdowns. He torched the Falcons this past Sunday. I mean, the guy yeah. is worth every penny. And every year in fantasy drafts, he seems to fall so much lower. I was lucky enough; I picked him up in both of my leagues. He put up 40 points for me. I mean, I don't see they've just become a franchise associated with winning, and it's because of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and them being able to connect well on offense and just, I mean. I got to agree with that statement so wholeheartedly. Porter from New England's really good, too. Stephon Gilmore, I mean, he's he, – I mean, all New England Patriots players for the most right. underpaid compared to the other teams. So, I, you, you got to put that, him up there. But, yeah, Russell Wilson's a stud, obviously. I don't think anybody's arguing against that. Yeah. Um, uh, Julio, man, I, you know, there's the old argument that my, Matt Ryan's just – can't throw the deep ball and he's holding Julio back, which I would tend to agree with. You but, you really just got to think, man, what a waste of a career it is for for well, Julio in Atlanta. Super Bowl, so we did, you know, we and, and it's just it's associated with the greatest. We're talking about choke jobs, probably right. the greatest choke job in the history of professional sports, unfortunately. But man, you know, as a, as a Falcons fan, I, I it aches for me to yeah. see him. I mean, to play so well and just have to lose these games by twenty points your first game at home. So. I don't know. Looking forward to week two. Maybe the birds can bounce back, but definitely got a good, uh, good slate of games on um, this uh, this weekend. Right before we go to break, uh, something came over the wire. I wanted to bring up, uh, get your analysis on it. The Wall Street Journal's list of best colleges in 2021 just came out, and it ranked our alma mater, the University of Georgia, 149th overall in the nation, right below the University of Sewanee and right above St. Olaf College. Now, as an alumnus, I just got to disagree with that. Uh, Ganoush, I got to get your take. You got to think the dogs are a better academic institution than that. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't even follow that kind of stuff just because I I totally disagree with it. But, I'll just um, have to say this. Ain't nothing finer in the land than a socially distanced Georgia fan. there, There we go. There we go. Uh, well, stick with us, guys. This is uh, part one, going to a little break right here. Coming up, we got a great interview with two young startup founders about a new way to deliver uh, uh, beverage distribution 
at various uh, event venues. You're not, uh, you're not going to want to miss that. And welcome back to our listeners uh, for this next segment of Per My Last Email. I'm very happy to introduce two young entrepreneurs, good friends of the program, Mason and Doxy, and they are here to talk about their innovative new delivery method for beverages at various uh, venues and sporting events and uh, all the like. Uh, it's called Hippo. You can download it in the App Store today. Uh, Mason and Doxy, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what all you're doing over there, and then we will get to some Q&A. Hey, Mike, thanks for having us. Uh, Mason and I are very excited to be here. We'd love to walk yeah. you through a quick demonstration of our app. Mason, do you have anything to add before we start? Just uh, appreciate you having us on, Mike, and uh, happy to talk about Hippo and how the world is changing here in COVID. Absolutely. Well, we got a happy couple to have of you guys on here uh, right, coming thanks, up boys. here, but but yeah, why don't why don't we turn it over to you and and you talk a little bit about uh, the platform first? So you can actually head to our website. As of today, we have our first animation explainer video. Mason just put that up about fifteen minutes ago. Uh, if there's any confusion. But what our app does, it is preparing the world to get back to large events. The new events that we go to are going to be drastically different. There will be security guides as well as security guards guiding people to go from point A to point B. The complete delivery experience of food and beverage has been completely revamped. And that's where our software really shines. Right now, when you go to a bar... Everyone is experiencing, if you're able to go to a bar in your state, everyone is experiencing a little bit of fatigue from ordering. They're wearing a mask. The bartender is wearing a mask. And sometimes there's even a shield in between the bartender and the client. What our technology does is it allows you to have a silent QR code for pickup and ordering of your drinks and or food items. So you'll place your order on our application. It'll go to the cloud. And then when you're ready to pick up and pay for your order, you will walk up to the server or the bartender. And once you're about 12 inches away, the server or bartender will be alerted of your name, your order, and receive your payment information to charge you for pickup and for your items. Okay, so this is more for a safety aspect. Is it to increase the time from getting the beverage to from the bar to the consumer i guess where where does the consumer see the benefit other than the safety side at this point is is my first question so we actually surveyed 1300 people to figure out exactly what benefits consumers wanted in a large event setting and overwhelmingly people did not want to speak to their server because of order confusion they wanted to speed up the process as quickly as they could, and they wanted to eliminate touch points so there's no more handling of cash or credit cards. And what our system does, if you choose not to speak to your server, your order will be instantly communicated from your phone to your server's phone seamlessly and flawlessly for the first time ever. I think that's great. Interacting without a bartender is something I'm looking for. I'm tired of being judged at breweries for not ordering the double IPA. I mean, your boy wants a lager. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Are you guys, is there 
certain beers you guys are going to have relationships with, or is this just going to depend on the restaurant and like where the location is, you know, go into a little bit more about that if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And Mason, feel free to chime in whenever um, the, the beer selection or the food selection or the liquor selection will be completely uh, independent for the restaurant. The restaurant is going to choose what they decide to serve, but mainly the large event will choose what they decide to serve. And with COVID in our research, we have found that the menu items are probably going to be limited. So where bar used to have 25 items and customized drinks, we'll probably only have 10 items now just to help with logistics and for inventory management and for low touch scenarios. Yeah. And Doxy, to your point, I mean, it's getting even tougher nowadays to realize what, you know, what your drink selection should be and who's coming to the event and, and why they're there, you know, what they're there to consume. So what we're here to do also is help in that process with the, the vendors and help, you know, show them what, what demand there is and, and be able to help track that live with the users they have. So you mentioned, you mentioned the vendors just then. I'm curious, uh, obviously you get these big event venues, you know, they're probably run by these third party management companies. They probably have their own software that they have to integrate into for point of sale, all that stuff. Is there any worry for your technology being able to integrate on the front end? Basically, you know, how are you going to ensure that these bars, these venues are going to be able to adapt to using your app? That was the wildest part. Uh, we researched to figure out exactly what point of sale systems all our vendors were using. And it was actually all over the board. But Square was the largest contributor for point of sale. And we learned that they are only using Square out of necessity. They have no loyalty to Square. They have absolutely, they even have little trust with Square. There's no customized solution right now for them on the market. And that is what we're trying to provide. So there will be no integration for our system. They will automatically hop onto our system and leave behind their old management and old point of sale systems. So I love the name. It's interesting because hippo is actually the most dangerous animal in the animal kingdom. Yet yes, it is. More safe than uh, actually going and interacting with the bartender because of the COVID time. So tell me how you guys got came up with that name. And I like the logo as well and where that kind of came from. I love that question. So hippo, the logo was actually designed by a guy named Connor Lewis, who went to UGA and actually works for Coca-Cola. He and I worked together briefly for a logo design for Emory for a project I was doing for them. And he made the hippo logo for like a fun little Easter egg for the project. I fell in love with the logo. I believe Mason fell in love with the logo as well. And yep. then we discovered that we wanted to use the logo for our application. But we needed something trendy, something hip, and something that we could get on the Google landing page to rank first. And Mason, you want to take it from there? Yeah, this part was a lot of fun when we were, you know, looking at, okay, you know, the, we have a great technology. Um, we need a great brand behind it, something that can resonate with people and is certainly <laughs> – they'll remember right the hippo kind of sticks out um and we thirsty hippo was kind of our our first run at it and uh you know after looking at the prospects for seo um there 
was one other company, uh, a bar. Uh, Mississippi. In Mississippi, thank you. Um, and I'm not, Doxy, are they still active? Uh, they are active, but they, not only are they a bar, they're an event venue. So they're actually very slow. That's right. Um, so, and, and, and finding that out, we uh, realized that maybe, you know, the space that we were going into, we wanted to differentiate ourselves um, a little bit more, you know, change a couple letters around. And um, the way the spelling worked out, it's, um, you know, it's memorable, I believe. It's, uh, you know, it works with the SEO. Obviously, if you type in H-Y-P-P-O-E on Google, um, we're very clean on there and we're trying to continue to build our web presence um so interesting hopefully we'll be as as easy to find as possible um because it's it's got to be interesting coming up with a name like that i hadn't really thought about it from uh from that aspect but i'm gonna hit y'all with a two-parter here and feel free to to answer as you see fit kind of bigger level questions number one and this would be probably some advice for our listeners what do you think the hardest part about making an app like this has been? And number two, what do you think your greatest barriers to entry are for getting into this industry? Is it something anybody can really get in or building market share is a lot harder than, than say certain other industries? So I love the first question. The hardest part about building an application is finding someone that wants to help you. Um, it, it took me a long time to find someone like Mason willing to help and show me the ropes. But Mason and I quickly learned that as much as we thought we knew together, that we were going to have to learn on the job. And we, finding someone to actually build the app for us was quite difficult. There are plenty of platforms such as Fiverr or Upwork or Freelancer that connect you with application developers. But there are very few on those applications that you can actually trust. And the RFP process to actually find an app is very tedious, very hard, and extremely difficult to interview for. And that Yeah, and the communication barrier, I think we is something that we've seen and worked through. And I think we ended up uh, landing with a, an international team and it's gone really well and, and to the to Doxy's point about the RFP, I mean, it's really important to look at a number of options and what they bring to the table, how many team members they have, um, what are the developer specialties, uh, what's the project manager look like from um, sort of the agency end, and how does all of that affect how much time and effort and, and, um, you know, follow up you're going to need to do throughout the process as a a business owner. So um, there's, there's a lot to the to Doxy's point about learning on the job, I mean, there's a lot of um, communication and and going back and forth with really smart people from other countries about how to you know the best way to accomplish a certain task or um, follow through on a certain feature. It, you know, it's been a, a, a interesting journey, but I think we've both learned a lot and enjoyed kind of working through the kinks and in the end you have a beautiful product to show so that's i guess that's the fulfilling part for us so let me ask ask you guys this as far as sales go are you guys having to go let's say you know i'm in new york and i want to order my boy iron mike a a room temperature smearing off ice uh to totally (laughs) pull him and i want to do it on the hippo app 
would you guys have to have the hippo at it like Mr. Purple or something like that up there? Like already, would you already have to speak to the owners of that bar per se, you know, in order to do this or, or would it just be for only venues or are you guys going to try to, or is that a little ahead of things? You know what I mean? Is it only going to be at like, like a Titans game or something like that? So right now we're focusing on working with large venues okay. such as Titans game, but we see no reason that once we master a large venue, that a small venue should be a walk in the park compared to getting a hundred thousand people their drinks to only getting twenty people their drinks. Right. So uh, starting big and then working small. I uh, I like that. Um, well, guys, I think that's about all the time we have for this interview. Uh, thank you both so much for coming on the program. To our audience, that's Hippo, H-Y-P-P-O-E. Give it a Google tonight, and hopefully you'll see it at your next concert or sporting event whenever we're allowed to go to those again. So, guys, thank you. We uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, Thank you all. Care. Appreciate it. And we're back here on per my last email, just finished up a great uh, interview segment there with the hippo boys. Really enjoyed that. We're going to go into some segments, but first, Ganoush, I hear you've got some college football picks for this weekend. I do. I do. I do. I do. We got Notre Dame at USF. I like the Irish. Uh, obviously that's not really going out on a ledge there or anything like that, but what's the spread on the game? Uh I believe the spread's 14. I'll double check on that one. I was just uh, looking at the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, though, over the US UCF Golden Shower Nights. I'm taking Tech <laughs> as a uh, seven-and-a-half-point underdog, taking the money line on that one. I'm loving the upset here. It's at Georgia Tech. They just beat Florida State last weekend. And I think it's yeah, but Florida State's a sorry team. They I are. Mean, you you got to think they're not going to be around for a while. So, I don't know. Maybe they can do the – do the double uh, the double dip there in the state of Florida and take home two W's for the yeah, Ramblin' Wreck. I just think UCF is cocky for no reason at all, and I mean I'm gonna I got to go against them. Plus, you know my girlfriend goes to went to Georgia Tech, so shout out to her. All right, shout out to a to a higher academic institution of learning that is also pretty lousy at football. So you got you got any other picks for us? Uh, that's my uh, biggest pick of the week. There's not a lot of good games this weekend. I mean, you got I love it. Oklahoma love it. State everybody. versus uh, Tulsa. <laughs> Most games game, got canceled, man. The battle for, for Oklahoma. All right. I can imagine all the fans of that game. So make sure to lock that pick in. We got Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. Cannot lose. Maybe you parlay it. Maybe you make double your money that way. Whatever way you want to do it. I like we, the way we hear PMLE. We, we approve. Oh, right, so 7.30 get- p.m. Miami, Louisville. That'll be a good game because, you know, they, Miami got De'Aaron King. He's really good. So what, a, what, a, what, a, what a game. Two, two titans Those are the, the best college football. Yeah. Well, it's better than nothing. Right. It's better than, I don't know, I watched Asheville versus App State yesterday. So, you know, you're just fiending for football at this point. All right, so getting to the segments, uh, we mentioned fall in our earlier segment today. Fall is starting to be in the air up in the northeast, but in the humid southeast, not so much. But it really got me to thinking, you know, Ganoush, give me three things, your three favorite things about fall you wouldn't change for the world. Okay, so obviously number one is college football. Uh, go dogs! Obviously, enough said. Um, ain't nothing funner in the land than a socially distanced Georgia fan. There we go. I love. Uh, I love it. Uh, Halloween. I'm this year. I'm going as Austin Powers, and Dominique is going to be a fembot, so that should be fun. 
Although we might be visiting you guys up in New York. We'll see. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. That'd and then fun. Um, definitely number three is uh, people putting up Christmas decorations way too early. <laughs> they do that. Between that and instantly after, it's always like instantly after Halloween, people just skip over the Thanksgiving, which, I mean, those are fun decorations to put up. All the turkey and the, and the pilgrims and all that you can put in your front lawn. But yeah, people always put up the Christmas decorations way too early. Every time my mom goes on vacation, my dad sneaks down to the basement, and cleans it out, and throws away Christmas decorations that she doesn't that she saves. I mean, our our house, my my parents' house, it looks like the Griswolds' house from Christmas Vacation with all the lights every year, and it's it's fun and it's kitschy, but yeah, you know, November first, All Saints Day rolls around, and my dad just instantly pulls out all of the Christmas stops. I love it. Um, Cousin Eddie. All right, so Fine. for me, I got three good ones right here. Uh, getting to wear a vest, um, that is one of the things that I definitely love most about the fall. You know, it's right in that middle kind of weather, so you don't have a big jacket on yet, but it's not like super hot. So you can keep your chest area very warm, but your arms don't need to be nearly as warm. Uh, getting to college football, the Georgia-Auburn game. Now, traditionally, that game is the second week of November. This year, or was supposed to get moved to October. I think it's still then, but like I'll always associate like the crispest of falls with that like second week of November, which the Georgia the Georgia Auburn game just such a great tradition. Uh, and then I'm gonna keep it simple. I'm gonna say the leaves changing colors. I mean, nobody likes to see the leaves change colors, you know, more than more than Iron Mike and, and his lovely gal. Maybe we'll go for a for a walk in a nice field and just watch the. Watch the trees change, change colors. So on that, I got a trivia question here for you, Ganoush. What is the scientific name for the trees which leaves change color and then fall off? I'm not going to give you multiple choice. I'll be very impressed if you get it. Oh, I already know this one. I just It's not coming to me. It's uh, I, it's like photosynthesis or some crap like that. It's a close one. That's a good science word. We, we should have a seg- segment on like fun science words to say. So Audience, if you have any science words that you want to uh, send us or you got this far in the podcast to realize that we're asking for the science words and then DM them to us on, on Instagram or whatever. But the word we were looking for was deciduous. 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 Yeah, I'm definitely the Jesse Pinkman to your Walter White here when it comes to science, my friend. Hey, it's a it's a good it's a good dynamic. We got science, you know, we're in the <laughs> we're in the we're in the three digits of listeners. So, you know, we're only going to go up, 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 up. Absolutely. Um, shifting gears here. Um, always a fun little topic of conversation. Uh, four people, Molloy. Shot out of cannon. Four people, dead or alive, you want to have dinner with. Go. All right. So for my number one, I got to go with Babe Ruth. And here's, let me tell you. That's five. a fun one. I've got, I've got some sports ones in here, but yeah, let's hear it. Babe Ruth ate 18 hot dogs on a train and blacked out. I mean, that sounds like a fun guy you'd want to have dinner with. And this was like in one day. I mean, well, I mean, doesn't the hot dog eating guy, doesn't he like 70? I feel like Babe Ruth could eat at least like 50 and then polish it down with yeah, like, but Joey you know, doesn't 20 room temperature beers Michael. after that and like, you know, 50 cigs. Yeah, Joey Chestnut doesn't hit dingers and like throw perfect games. Babe Ruth was one of the greatest pitchers and hitters ever. I mean, there's Babe Ruth was really the king of hitting dingers during the Spanish really flu. Was. I mean, I'll give him credit for that. He, uh, he, he ate 12 hot dogs in the doubleheader. The guy's the man. I mean, you're, you know, you're going to have. A lot of food at dinner because you see two porterhouse steaks at dinner every night, um, and this, that's a- those are some terrible eating habits. Right. I mean, the dude, <laughs> the SWAT, the Colossus of Clout, the King of Crash, got to go with him. That's my number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you said dead or alive, so I'm going with James Gandolfini, aka Tony Soprano himself. 
Because you know we're going to. We do realize that 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 Babe Ruth is dead too. So. Oh yeah. You know he was dead as well. Actually, Michael, I you know heroes get remembered, but legends never die. So legends never die. So you're not calling James Gandolfini a legend? Yeah, they're both legends. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, I would hope so. These are four people you want to have dinner with. So I hope they're not like random people. Yeah, no, it's not uh, Mike, my, my neighbor, or anything like that. <laughs> Joe, who lives down the block from me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, James Gennafi, obviously Tony Soprano. We're going to get a good table. We're going to smoke some cigars, Babe Ruth included. It's going to be a good time. Those are both hefty men. So Don't you know, they have a movie coming out about the Sopranos where, like, Gandolfini's son is playing a young Tony Soprano? Yeah, it's called The Many Saints of Newark. It's going to be awesome. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think he got delayed because of COVID, but he, he starts with his dad a lot. It's going to be good. Uh, and then, obviously, number three is my all-time favorite actor ever, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a good one. Uh, you know, enough said about Leo. We'd probably ask about all the models he's uh, dating and stuff like that. I'm sure you want to talk. Isn't he dating like a 21 year old now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we could ride on his. Uh, you could ride on his private plane and then watch him chastise people for climate change. That'd be <laughs> right. fun. I'm sure he'd want to talk about chat uh, about climate change, but we change the topics to uh, Victoria's Secret models and stuff like right. that. Right. Uh, Michael Jordan would be my number four. You know, the goat of goats. Uh, I mean, the guy. Talk about smoking cigars, man. I mean. He, he, I mean, obviously, it'd be a fun night with those four. I do have a couple alternates, and I know this might be a little Okay, let's hear your alternates. I'm curious. All right, so I had to go villain squad here, my friend. So I went with Conor McGregor, Al Capone, Pablo Escobar, and Tiger Woods. So my That's villain. a fun villain squad. Those are my, well done. my villain's table. So that's like the table we, we hold our drinks up and give them a toast to, like an Always Sunny. And I stand up and bow at Conor McGregor. The two oh, yes. Oh, yes. So anyways, that would be uh, – those are my – people how about you my friend all right well i'm gonna go with my two dead ones first and you want to talk about goats so i'll talk about the goats of conquest in battle i'm gonna go number one george washington i mean the founder of the united states you know he probably can't eat much because he has the whole wooden teeth thing um and then he died obviously because they put too many leeches on his body but like that would be an interesting one to to have uh dinner with really get the get the whole feel for how America came to be like, like that's pretty cool. Like one day there wasn't a country and the next day there was. So it's right. like, how did they end up doing that? Number two can be Genghis Khan. Uh, you know, you got to give him credit for having the largest land empire uh, really in human history. He had all of the land that stretched from like Mongolia to Turkey. I mean, at his largest, he ruled like a quarter of the earth. Now that's just badass And like, you know that guy talking about two stakes a day guy. That guy was like a four stakes an hour guy. You know, with an empire that big, he probably he probably run up a hefty stomach. So I just hope um, that your third isn't like Susan B. Anthony because she would not get along with Genghis Khan. No, I don't think I don't think she would at all. Um, but uh, but no more in the in the political kind of leader realm. I'm going to go sports with the last two. Uh, number one, uh, just because he's a childhood uh, favorite in terms of athletes, uh, Michael Vick. I love seeing him on Fox Sports. Does a great job there. Probably enjoys a nice dinner. You know, be be fun to hear the the stories of of his playing days at, at Virginia Tech and uh, and uh, with the Falcons. Obviously, I wouldn't be a Falcons fan if not for Michael Vick. So I just I thank him for that. And then the last is Bill Belichick. I mean, you gotta recognize greatness when greatness is due. I'm sure he could talk your ear off on various punt formations or the history of the two point conversion or, you know, kind of those weird football things you associate with Bill Belichick. So, I mean, I wouldn't really even ask him about like his family or anything that he likes. It would mostly probably be about like 
football history and how he thought that the forward pass, you know, fundamentally changed the game, things of that nature. Yeah, I love it, man. So you, I got four alternates. I, I need you to, off the top of your head, think of four alternates for yourself or just maybe one or two. Whatever. All right, four. I'm, I'm going to go a couple alternates right here. Um, you know, I could stick with the childhood uh, athletes. One, Chipper Jones. I mean, lifelong Braves fan. You know, hopefully we don't, you know, screw up here at the end of the season like we normally do. But just another, you know, thank you for really getting me uh, getting me into sports. And uh, And then another one would be John D. Rockefeller. I mean, he is the richest man in the history of the world. He was worth like $500 billion in today's money. So, you know, it'd be really fun to talk with him and be like, hey, how'd you get that much money? You know, maybe you want to give me a, a little bit of that money sometime down the road. But uh, Caesar was a trillionaire though, dude. So. Well, there was also this dude, uh, he was from the kingdom of Mali, which was in like Western Africa. His name is Mansa Musa. And he walked all the way across Africa with like, this like legion of people and he had so much gold in his armory that he went to Egypt in like the 1300s. And because of the sheer amount of gold that he brought there, it made all of their currency worthless. So like you want to talk about an alpha move that is going and like tanking some country's economy. I love it. Now, when you said that, I thought of, I will walk 500 miles miles and I will walk 500 your economy. But that is a that's, a that's a lot of walking. So okay. I don't know if I'm, I'm making it a thousand miles, but probably those one just to be like Scrooge McDuck rich or something like that. Diving in. Um, all right, Ganoush, uh, last segment here, um, you know, for our listeners, it's going to be two truths and a lie. So I'm going to go first, then you're going to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy for these. So basically the name of the game, we all know it. I'm going to list off three things. Two of them are true. One of them is a lie. Uh, we're going to keep a running tally throughout the episodes and make this a regular thing. And uh, I'll be very interested if you get this. So the first one I got, uh, after finishing his playing career, very ironically, O.J. Simpson received a law degree from the University of Southern California. That's number one. Okay. Number two, a duel between three people is actually called a truel. That's T-R-U-E-L. And three... In August, it was the highest number of young people ages 18 to 29 living at home with their parents. And that was 52% of people between the ages of 18 and 29 were living at home with their parents. Which one of those three is false? Uh, It's not a true rule. That actually is true. A rule between three people is called a true rule. That was a fun one. And O.J. Simpson... Did not get a law degree. Oh, um, well, you know, I saw whispered in uh, Johnny Cochran's ear a lot in that uh, FX show. So I figured right. So I figured I'd, I'd get you that way. All right. Yeah. So I'm up. I'm up one. But 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 Ganoush, I want to hear hear your three for me. Okay. So three for you. So number one, there is a chicken that lived 18 months without a head. Okay. Number two. Arkansas is the only state mentioned in the Bible. And number three, I don't have a number three. <laughs> what are the, have a third one? one? False one. Okay. Well, those two, the first ones were both true. So I'm going to go with your third one is false. Okay. No, Arkansas is not the only state mentioned in the Bible. Noah stepped out the Arkansas. Oh, <laughs> 
That's a, that's a good that's a good corny joke. That's the kind of jokes we like. To Are have we doing our Florida man segments this week or on, what? On PML. No, we're gonna we're gonna save that for next time. Unfortunately, okay. we've run out of time. Um, but thank you so much to all of our listeners. Uh, tune back in next time. Who knows what kind of crazy potpourri we're going to come up with. But until next time, we are per my last email. Thank you so much for listening. See you guys next time.